Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world of golf. I'm Tom Clark and I'm once again joined by Elliot Heath. Hello Elliot, how are you? Hello Tom, good thanks. Uh, had a bit of snow at the weekend, didn't play golf, but I watched an awful lot of golf and it was uh, quite entertaining. It was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was one of the most, um, cr- it was the craziest weekend of golf I can remember in ages. You know, two massive winners. Rules incidents seemingly every 10 minutes, a disciplinary issue as well. Um, it was crazy, wasn't it? And the, the Golf Monthly website has not had as big a weekend since the Masters, I think. So. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? I remember ta- uh, watching the Waste Management Phoenix Open. The, f- the front nine was very boring. And then, yeah, it all just went crazy on the back nine. It did indeed. And as mentioned, we've, we'll be having to discuss what happened with Sergio in Saudi Arabia, Ricky Fowler's penalty caddy alignment issues if there is an issue Uh, and we'll also be hearing from Dustin Johnson who of course won in Saudi Arabia and straight on to that well let's talk about uh, Saudi International Dustin Johnson beat Hao Tong Lee by two to win his 21st pro title Uh, that was his first regular European tour victory and before we talk about uh, the tournament itself we're actually going to hear from Dustin Johnson we spoke to him last year um, and we want he's going to talk about revealing the secrets of his game, including how he practices and how he turned his draw into a fade. You know, I'm not, I'm not a huge practicer though. Like, it's just something that I'm never, you know, I don't enjoy sitting on the range beating balls. Like, it's just not my thing. I never have. And so, you know, I, I don't practice a lot. Like, I will sit on the range and I'll hit a bunch of wedges. But, you know, that's, that's about it. I'd rather go out and play, you know, play around the golf. And, you know, when it, when I do need to practice, so I've got no problem, or you know, I I do like to. If I need to, then yeah, I'll, I sit on the range and I'll practice and I'll figure out whatever I need to figure out. Yeah, other than that, you know, I but I do put a lot of time in, and you know, off the course in the gym, and um, but sure, I mean, they probably do, but I don't really talk about it either. So, but yeah, practice. If I'm just gonna practice for a day, it's, it's I'll I'll hit the I go to the gym in the mornings, and that's. I'm usually in there for an hour and a half, or then I'll, you know, practice for maybe an hour and a half too. You know, I'll do like maybe like 30 minutes, you know, putting, and then I'll, you know, hit balls for 30 minutes, and then maybe, you know, work on the short game for 30 minutes. I've always gone to the gym, but not, not as, not as disciplined as I've had been the last few years. So the first part of my say pro career is more, you know, I'd. I'd go for a couple of weeks and I might take a couple of weeks off and then, you know, three weeks and then I might, you know, take a month off or, you know, it's kind of one of those things that just wasn't consistent. Um, we're now, you know, I'm consistent no matter, no matter what. I do take time off, like I'll take a week off from the gym, just like I know when I need to, I need a week off. And so I know it makes me feel better. I feel like I swing better. I got, you know, don't have to work as hard to get it, you know, the ball to go where I want to. but. Why it makes it better? That's you gotta ask my coach for that. I'm not supposed to know that kind of stuff. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I know my golf swing, you know, just better than anyone. Working with different coaches, seeing, you know, seeing it on video, and you know, I know what works in my swing, and so, you know, most of the time I can. 
generally figure it out myself. I go out to the range, you know, that's because I know my swing and I, you know, I know what my tendencies are and generally I know how to fix them. Sometimes I don't and that's when I call my coach. Most of the time I can, like I'll call Butch or, and uh, just tell him what the ball's doing and what I'm feeling and he'll give me something to try and generally usually works. And, I mean, I do watch, I have a few videos of like when I'm playing really well that I'll, I'll watch and usually from watching those I'll, you know, I'll check my setup and make sure I'm still setting up that way and, you know, watch my takeaway and stuff. But as far as other people breaking down my swing, everyone's got a different opinion so, and I don't really care to hear it. The video that I watched mostly is the one from, like, the highlights from Riviera. So, but that was kind of the start of the stretch where I played, you know, really well, where I won, you know, one match play. I won uh, WGC Mexico and Riv all in a row. Yes. Or U.S. Open highlights from 16, too, because I felt like even from there, even the beginning of 16, all the way through 16, and then, you know, 17, I felt like everything was super consistent. You know, I felt good every single week. The you know the shape of the ball was the same you know so I, I was just felt like I had it really dialed in for for a long stretch there until I got hurt. There's still a lot of similarities in the swing. The swing hadn't really changed much just you know kind of changed the shape of the ball. Um, you know, I used to hit a big draw and now I move it left to right so right when I started working with Butch we you know, we probably worked for five years on hitting a cut before I'd actually hit one, considered hitting one in a tournament from the middle of the fairway. It was probably, what, three years ago, I think? Maybe 15 or the end of 15. It was during the off season. I just, I was struggling, you know, with the driver. I wasn't driving it how I wanted to. And I was, you know, even my irons weren't, they were just, I was just struggling. So and it was mostly with the driver. And so I just, I was playing out at Sherwood and I was like, all right, I'm gonna cut it today. And so I just hit cut shot all day. You know, shot, you know, played well. And so the next day I went out and I was like, I'm just going to cut it on every shot. Didn't matter what flag, what the one, I just cut every ball. And it was like three days in a row and I, I played pretty well three days in a row. And ever since then I just cut it pretty much as simple, I mean, it's as simple as that. I just felt like I had more control. I drove it better. I was, you know, wasn't hitting as, you know, as many balls out of play. And the reason I started fading it with the driver was to get my misses tighter because I've always been a good driver of the ball but when I you know when I drew it I, I had you know I could hit one way left or way right where I mean I still can do that but it, it doesn't happen as much and I felt like you know the the margin of misses went from here to here so I, I think I play my game if the hole calls for a certain shot I'll, I'll hit it if I can be aggressive and you know, I'm comfortable with, you know, taking over stuff or, you know, if I have the shot, I'll, I'll hit that. I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to hit shots and I'm not afraid to play aggressive, but, you know, if it's the smart play, then I'll do it. If it's, if it's not, you know, if there's too much trouble or, you know, it's a shot you shouldn't hit, then, you know, I have no problem laying up or, or you know, whatever it calls for. Um, you know, advice that I have for people, I mean, you know, if, if they don't have a coach, you know, maybe go take a lesson. You know, try to understand your game and your swing and, you know, and kind of know your limits and kind of understand your tendencies. And, um, you know, I think that'll definitely, definitely help you get better.
Well, there you go. Some really interesting insight from Dustin Johnson there. What I love about that is that... Do, do, please tell. To, to turn his draw into a fade, he's not just saying, oh yeah, me and Butch went and worked on it. He goes, I literally just went out on the course and just started hitting fades. Just showed you the talent that he has. But he didn't really have to do much work. He just needed to practice a little bit. He's, he's one of those natural golfers, isn't he? Yeah, he's not definitely. particularly technical. Uh, he's kind of like one of those people who say, hit this shot and he'll, he'll do it. And you'll ask him, well, how did you do that? And he'll say, I don't really know. <laughs> I, just, I just, you know, I just thought I'd do it and I did it. Yeah, and even like where he says he doesn't practice very much, like it's the complete opposite to someone like Bryson DeChambeau, who even when he won in Dubai last week was on the range till darkness. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that's a great comparison, actually. One of the things that DJ's done, which has improved his game, which helped him get to world number one, is his wedge play. Everyone's been saying how, how much better his wedge play is. And if you see him play his wedge shots, he just goes up to there, has a, he just gets the feel for it, plays to, has a couple of practice swings, and then gets on with it. Yeah. Whereas DeChambeau, I know he's one that we're always going to talk about, he seems to be, could be much more uh, scientific, of course, and methodical about it, if I can say that word. And um, yeah, they're two completely different players, but they both get the job done, don't they? They both get and they can both win. I mean, it was great to see DJ playing in Saudi Arabia. He played really well, didn't he? I love how on the last hole that was 600 yards, he hit drive eight iron to the middle of the green. Yeah, just made an easy birdie. To quite, win. quite, quite scary. That, isn't <laughs> yeah. It? And um, do we think that's going to be the springboard for more success this year? Surely it's got to be, isn't it? Yeah, he's always up there. He was he was saying in there since. 2016 I think he's felt like he's essentially been the best and yeah I think he believes that at the moment we don't really have a dominant world number one no so yeah there's plenty of chance for him yeah he always wins once to three or four times a year and it is it's good to have have three players really vying for the world number one spot Kupka Johnson and Rose and we're going to chat a bit more about those guys I'm sure those names will be mentioned later on when we talk about who we think is going to really have a good chance and challenge for the majors this year. We've also asked on social media who you think is going to win, so uh, we'll be interested to see what you, what you guys think. But that'll be later on in the podcast. But there is one big thing that we have to talk about uh, at the Saudi International, and that is Sergio Garcia. He oh, was, Sergio. I know. Oh, Sergio. <laughs> uh, Sergio was disqualified for serious misconduct. He damaged five greens in the third round by by dragging his shoes on them and, um, and making marks with, with, with the spikes and stuff and also made a different mark with his putter. Uh, this was a day after the video that's now gone viral of him having an absolute att- meltdown. Attacking in a, a bunker. And uh, apparently he says some very bad words in Spanish there that we probably should have I, d- I can't speak Spanish, so, but, sending out. Well, well, yes, indeed, but I, I can't speak Spanish. I'm not sure how many people can, but um, he did get disqualified. And it was rule 1.2a allows for disqualification if a player has committed serious misconduct. Now, I've never heard of this. No. I can't remember that anyone else no. doing it. It must have happened, I'm sure, but I can't remember it happening. Um, and Sergio didn't really deny it. He came out and said, I respect the decision of my disqualification. In frustration, I damaged a couple of greens for which I apologise for, and I've informed my fellow players it will never happen again. And Keith Pelly said... Uh, the incident is over, we've dealt with it, Sergio has apologised to players and we move on. Now, well, do we think that Sergio should be punished more for this? Yes, look, I love Sergio, he's always been one of my favourite players, but what he's done there is 
horrendous. He's destroyed, well not destroyed, but he's damaged five or six greens, which affects his playing partners, his competitors and the green keepers. Uh, we put an article out yesterday. Some people are saying there's like a witch hunt from the media on Sergio at the moment, but I don't think there is. If you did that at your golf club in the monthly medal, you'd potentially be thrown out the club. You'd be banned for three competitions at least. And I think you probably wouldn't return because of the shame. Yeah. And I don't I think, know if that's I think a bit it, harsh. No, I don't think it is. I think Sergio really has got to take a good hard look at himself in the mirror and say, what on earth are you playing at? Also, he was getting paid 500 grand to be there. Apparently. So, or a million, I've heard yeah, both figures. Well, a lot, he's paying a lot of money. <laughs> But Sergio, I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, he, he, this is not the first time he's had disciplinary issues. No. So if we're going way back to Wentworth when he was a, he was a youngster, another shoe incident when he kicked his shoe when he slipped and yeah. the shoe went flying into the crowd. Now that was what you think, oh, he's a, he's a young, fiery Spaniard and everyone said, oh, you know, get away with that. Then you look something like, I think it was in 2007 at Doral, he spat in the hole, yeah. which is pretty disgusting. Because how many people have got a golf ball in there and put their golf ball out of there? And then for this as well, we, we thought this had all been behind him when he got married and he won the Masters. Um, and again, you can say, oh, no, he's this fiery Sergio, he's temperate. He's got to grow up, hasn't he? This is just not good enough. <laughs> well, he's, he's 39 years of age, so I don't think he, he's going to change. Maybe in his 50s he might mellow down a little bit. But, and he, yeah. the thing is, when he's this fiery person, he doesn't play very well. No, he, I've seen. We saw this in the, the, the few years before his Masters win and before he, he met his wife. He was really getting frustrated, throwing his clubs at his caddy and at the bag. He has got to grow up, and it's it's really it's got to stop. This is he's now the top. You know, he's he's won. He's done so many good things. He's won the Masters, all-time European Ryder Cup points scorer, but it's just not good enough. It's quite. And for, for, sorry, I'm I'm really ranting here, but. For someone he's he's looked at up to by the youngsters in the game, and yeah. he's supposed to be growing the game, and he's said that he wants to grow the game. You know, he's a role model for a lot of people out there, and to do what he did is pretty disgusting. And whether the European Tour should be looking to ban him for longer, which isn't, isn't going to happen, or he puts himself on a, a self-imposed ban or something else, I think something else has got to happen with it because it's just not good enough. He needs to go and do a week with the greenkeepers, really, doesn't he? I think he? that's a great but idea. We, now we, we, we spoke community to a of, service. We spoke to a couple of clubs, didn't we? And actually, that's one of the one of the things I think I saw on social media, yeah. actually. Um, where someone said, actually, you know, he should go out. He should get up with the guys who actually had to put all the hard work into into putting on into putting on some spectacular golf tournaments and all the hours they have to do and realise, uh, actually, how much of their work he's, he's ruining. Uh, I think that's a fantastic idea. It's like a bit of community service out there. Yeah, and for the again for the his competitors as well, like they're playing for a lot of money. And what if their putt bobbles over it? Yeah, or? I know. It's, well, I know, <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. And the the Saudi international, you know, there's a lot of controversy about it. The golf course. If we're just going to talk about the golf course, yeah, I thought the golf course actually was a pretty decent golf course. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, put on a good tournament. The you know, the conditions, especially when the wind got up, made it really interesting. The, the, the players really struggled for the, the later afternoon starters. Uh, I mean, DJ, I thought, played particularly well. But the setup, I thought, was excellent. Um, and it was in really decent condition. I know they thought the greens were a bit slow. And I think 
that might be why Sergio was maybe attacking those greens. <laughs> but they were saying they had to have it at that pace because there's so many undulations and they're quite big greens that when the wind gets up, actually, if they hadn't got them at that pace, then actually there's a chance that the balls would have started rolling and stuff like that. Right. So um, I just think, Sergio, take a look at yourself, mate. And, you know, if you... If you can't be bothered to act properly on the course, then you know you've got to look at yourself and see how many of these tournaments you're actually going to need to play in. Uh, yeah, um, going back to something that happened last year with Phil Mickelson at the US Open, mm. this is kind of similar to that where a player has acted very, very strangely and it may damage their legacy. It's not really something that we're ever going to talk forget. about the, the Phil Mickelson putt when he yeah. realised it was going to roll down the slope, so he stops it. Yeah. <laughs> There are two incidents that you're I never going to... I actually hadn't thought about forget. that for a few months. and that, Although that was very odd, it was also, I think, one of my highlights of the year last year. <laughs> yeah. He just completely lost the plot for a moment. And the way that he tried to, <laughs> to get away with it by saying, oh, well, I realised I was going to do it, so I'll just, I'm just going to take the penalty. No, that, you Just can't, admitted you can't that he that. cheated. <laughs> exactly. And he's getting to the point where golf is always known, it's always supposed to be known as one of these great sports where the players... <laughs> put their hands up and say, I've done a penalty, my bad, you know, I've owned up to this, you know, the integrity of the game's great. That's what everyone keeps on saying. But actually, there's been lots of incidents recently where I wonder, you know, it's, it's putting the integrity of the game at risk. And to have someone deliberately damage a course and admit it straight away, I know I'm going to keep going on about it, it just isn't good enough. Yeah, I'm not done with this either. Um, imagine if, again, back to a monthly medal or something, even if you did what Sergio did in the bunker in yeah. front of like a committee member, you'd never go back to that club again. No, it's, it's, not, it's not right. And Sergio, chill out. Just remember all the stuff, the good stuff that you've done, you know, where your life is. How much it? money you've got. You've got a nice young child. Just, yeah. yeah. Happily it's only married. Golf. You know, exactly. Enjoy the game again. That's what we want to see. We're going to should we move? I think we should move on. <laughs> no. I, think we should, I think we should move on. From, I'm going to move on from Sergio. Otherwise, we're going to talk about Sergio for the whole, <laughs> for the whole podcast. Another thing which happened on the European tour at the back of um, Saudi International was that Patrick Reed was awarded honorary lifetime membership of the European tour. And he became the fourth American to receive the accolade after Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer and Tom Watson. So quite a decent four ball to be involved with there. The reason why he was given the honorary uh, membership was because, obviously, from his Masters win. Surprisingly, that there's maybe not a few other people who have been given that honour. Tiger Woods obviously hasn't, which is perhaps a bit odd. Uh, but perhaps a little bit more recent, Brooks Kupka, who was on the, champ uh, on the Challenge Tour for a while and got up through the Challenge Tour, made it up to the European Tour, and is now a, a three-time major winner. Won two majors last year, of course. Do you think maybe Kupka should have been honoured as well? Yeah, 100%. Kepka's first, well, before his PJ Tour and major wins, Kepka won on the Challenge and European Tours. He won two majors last year, major the year before. It seems like they give out these honorary memberships when a European Tour member wins a major. So perhaps Woods was never a European Tour member and he'll get it after retirement, like yeah. Jack Nicholas did in 2014. But yeah, we were chatting about it yesterday. I'm not sure what it actually gives you apart from a silver membership card. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say with Reed, I don't think we're saying that Reed shouldn't have got it. No, good uh, on him. Because Reed actually has been a big supporter of the European Tour and 
his Masters win was very impressive. He has been playing, he's played in the Middle East a lot at the start of the season, but he's also come, I remember coming over and, and him um, playing in the match play events quite quite a few times. So um, I think Reed has been one of those um, Americans who has embrace the European tour a bit more than some of the others and he, ha he did mention that saying how actually he likes going around the world and playing in all these different places which obviously the European tour now goes to all around the world um, so fair play to him so yeah. who will be that do you think will actually maybe they'll actually give him an award this year but later on well they should do I don't know why but going back to Reed supporting the European tour I remember after the Ryder Cup last year with the whole speed didn't want to play with me comments um, Reed didn't want to talk about those and instead was like, no, I'm focusing on the European Tour, I want to win the race to Dubai. So yeah. last year he really did support the Tour, so yeah, good on him. Good on him indeed. And going back to Brooks Kepka, Michael Weston was in Saudi last week and he caught up with a three-time major winner about life on the Challenge Tour and his first victory on the European Tour at the Turkish Airlines Open. thought we might start by taking a little bit of a trip down memory lane. Okay. So... Um, six years ago on the challenge tour how important was it for you landing a trade on, on the challenge tour how, what, what was that like for you it was fun i enjoyed it i enjoyed playing uh playing overseas and playing the challenge tour it was good it was uh it was nice to be able to learn to be a pro um you know want to have a good introduction to it um you know and then traveling the world at 21 22 years old is pretty sweet too what was some of your sort of fondest memories of of playing on the challenge tour just meeting a bunch of the guys um you know I, mean, I was over here for so long i was over here for almost what two years yeah. um, two and a half years and you know I, some of the guys that i've met and caddies have you know still my really close friends today so um, you know it's nice to have that that good foundation and you know they've known me since i was nobody and you know they're we've we've all had a blast we've all had a good time and, and just enjoy life where did you base yourself when you were in Europe? Or did you were you sort of hopping back? I'd just go back and forth. Yeah. Did you? Okay. Yeah, I was going back and forth. I had a buddy in Sweden. Um, I'd go visit him a little bit. You know, right before I came uh, to start my first uh, Challenge Tour event. But um, yeah, I, I went there a little bit, and but mainly went home. And was it was it like being away from home? You, you, that wasn't a problem for you. I mean, it's a job. You raced it. I mean, it's a job. You got to do it. You got to be away from your family if. You, know, you want to do this for a living it's going to take you a lot of places and you're going to be a, yeah. you'll be alone quite a bit so you better get used to it and jump in and embrace it what was it like getting that first win in in, in turkey it was fond memories of that in the european tour yeah. yeah no it was nice to you know finally break through you know i hadn't won all year yeah. um, so that was that was special something uh you know i always wanted to do and uh, you know anytime you know you win <laughs> you know an important event like that yeah. it's um it was quite special and you know kind of it was my first i guess win against you know some some really good players yeah. um, you know going down the stretch of the Poulter was quite fun and um you know battled it out now yeah. for, for quite a few years so it's uh it's been quite entertaining but it was kind of my first uh first taste of the yeah. big stage yeah. moving on we're going to move on to the pj tour now and the waste management phoenix open which was another event full of all <laughs> kinds of fun and games uh, it was fantastic to see Ricky Fowler win. Uh, he, he won by two, having been leading by five at one point. I think nine holes in, and then twelve holes in, being being all square with yeah. uh, with Brandon Grace. 
Um, it was Fowler's fifth PGA Tour victory, but his first in almost two years since the 2017 Honda Classic. Um, as I said, he made a double bogey and a triple bogey in his 74. Um, it's the seventh time he has shot over par whilst holding 54-hole lead, which is interesting. I mean, let's talk firstly about the very unfortunate um, penalty which led to the triple, which was on the 11th, where after taking a penalty, so he hit it into the water with his second. Third. So his third, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a dreadful chip, wasn't it? Uh, he laid up with an iron, sorry, he hit an iron off the tee on a 480-yard par four. Yeah. So he was just trying to coast home. Yeah, so he, yeah, he, went, so he hit iron off the tee, iron just short of the green, yeah. to the screen which has a water hazard, Penalty area, I think it's called now. Penalty area. Uh, at the back of the he managed to then chip it through the green into the water hazard, then dropped the ball, went up to look at, at, at the flag and the whole situation. As he'd walked up to the, to the hole, the ball then rolled back into the hazard, which means he needed to take another penalty drop. Yeah. He then didn't. Oh, he then did actually manage to get up and down with quite a nice. Oh, it was brilliant up uh, and down. A really big twenty. But that was a very unfortunate. So he, he after he'd taken a penalty drop, where it seemed to be the ball seemed to have um, to be stationary, it then strangely rolled back in. Do we think that should be another penalty shot? No, it's a horrendous rule. People are saying that maybe he picked up the tee a bit quickly and th- the ball might not have been stationary, yeah. but. Well, I, 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 watched, was. I watched that. He was stationary. He picked the tees up. He actually then walked ten yards, and then it started moving, and then rolled back in. I thought, I thought it was very unlucky, and I don't understand why that is another penalty shot. I do think golf is very much in danger of alienating itself from the general public yeah. because of all these mad, mad rulings which are happening. So, shall we talk about the mad ruling? So, the Ricky Fowler one with it's it's a long-standing penalty that. That's yeah, not that's a, not a new rule. It's not a new rule, but it's I didn't know the, it. I did, no, I didn't know it either. <laughs> I thought he could just get another free drop. Yeah, I, th- I thought so as well. Just that the same was... way that if a, if a drop, if you do a, a bad drop, say for example, this one of these new drops from your yeah. from your knee, and you hit your foot, you have to, you can redrop. It's not a penalty. You can redrop it again in the same way. If you accidentally drop it from shoulder height to knee height, you just redrop it again. It's not another penalty. Interestingly, that would not have been a penalty if it was on the green and the ball. Yeah. Moved away after marking it. Yeah. I, so again, that's. I think it's strange. one of those rules which actually, do we need it? Just, just you know, just place it back. I mean, he's if this was a club golfer, he's lost a brand new tailor-made TP5. That's a bad enough penalty. Indeed, well, indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> or TP5X. I can't remember what ball he plays. Sorry. <laughs> well, and, yeah, other golf balls are also available out there. So there's that. Firstly, secondly, shall we? T- the dropping rule from knee height. It's not working, and I'm, I'm again. I'm, a, I'm a, on a bit of a rant today. Sergio's wound me up, but the new dropping rule from knee height it doesn't work. And I do feel that have the rule makers actually gone out and tested these rules? Because we why doesn't it work? Because people it, knee height is the most. It's probably the hardest height to drop from because you have to bend over to get to knee height. So Brandon Grace on the 17th at Phoenix, he tried <laughs> to do it from knee height. There's no way, he did not drop it from knee height. His knee was bent. I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Brandon Grace, but he should have been penalised. Yeah. There's graphics that you, you can't do that. You can do like a... Um, exactly, so one of the rules graphics, which the RNA and USGA have 
have released, correct? Yeah. Shows that what Graves did was a penalty, but he did not get penalised. And they've been so harsh on the like the caddy alignment stuff. Well, we're going to come on to the caddy alignment. I'm going to do the rule. I'm going to do the drops first. But why on earth they didn't just say you can drop it between shoulder height and knee height as long as it's not below knee height? Or well, what's wrong with shoulder height? Exactly. There's nothing so wrong with it. Like, people can just uh, the whole idea of it. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Was to save time. I don't know if that saves time. And it doesn't I think it was to ensure that the ball gets dropped close to the ground so it doesn't roll away. No, no, no but that was to save time. The whole point yeah, of it I was guess. to say, instead of having to re-drop it time and time and time again, we just, you know, one drop and you get on with it. I just find it very, very frustrating that, get, I just don't feel that rule, rule makers have said, well, at first, when they first announced it, oh, you can just drop it from an inch. Yeah. Which is, again, a bit weird. Because then it's like, why don't you just place it? Um, Mark Rowe on Sky Sports Commentary actually said, why don't we just place it? And really, that's not that yeah. bad of an idea. I just, I just don't understand what was the point of changing the rule to make it actually harder. Everyone can, everyone can drop it from shoulder height. They just put your arm out and you dropped it and you just got on with it. Now to drop it from knee height. If you haven't tried to drop a ball from exactly knee height and don't understand what I'm ranting about, go and try it. Try it in your sitting room, you know, <laughs> and firstly, it's easy to hit yourself in the foot, which we found out when we... Yeah, I've done that already, it. actually. And everyone else has been going on about that. And actually, it's very hard to get to exactly knee height. I just think it's bizarre. Moving on to the alignment issue and this joke as well. How Tong Lee was penalised two shots uh, the week previously in Dubai, which cost, cost him 100 grand, yeah. which is... You know, a hundred grand's a lot of money to Yeah, everybody. these new rules are starting to impact people's bank accounts. Bank accounts, but it's not only that, it's it's not just about I mean how suddenly he's a good player and he's not gonna struggle to to make his to make uh, make his card this year. But there's other guys out there who suddenly could get a could be penalised and it could it could cost them their livelihood. Like Denny McCarthy. Like Denny McCarthy. Well, but then go. it got rescinded, didn't it? So what it? did Denny McCarthy do? So Denny McCarthy again had a penalty drop, which he tried to do from knee height, which he did. Uh, and then his caddy is kind of just lurking behind him. And this is from an approach shot, this isn't for a putt. And he's he's suddenly saying that the caddy's lining him up. He's not lining him up in the <laughs> But then, yeah, he backed off his ball and lined himself up when the caddy wasn't even in the shot and he got a two-shot penalty, which then got rescinded and the RNA and the USGA are saying that clarity is now needed on this you, rule. You're not so joking. It's, it's a bit of a mess. It's an absolute disgrace because these rules were supposed to make the game simpler. They were most to make the game quicker and they're not... We're having to, we're, you know, it's great for us to talk about and to create web posts about and love people love clicking on them it's fantastic as I said the website's never had so much traffic with all this uh, with all these controversy but what are the RNA and the USJ playing at do they not have do they not go out and test these things do they not think about what could potentially be the issue here I find it very very frustrating and it just makes golf seem a bit laughable to me it does if like you're a mainly a cricket fan aren't you and a cricket player I am, I am I do play a bit of cricket yeah. and not <laughs> from the outside looking in it must look very silly it, I mean cr cricket's got loads of uh, odd laws not rules laws um, oh didn't the, know that what you do now um, and, uh, as well but they don't start suddenly just changing them and I, 
I understand, I think the heart's in the right place by changing some of these rules. People didn't like seeing caddies line up players for every putt. Everyone thought it was a bit, it was wrong. But why they had to have, make such a rigid rule saying you line up, or even if you stand away, you, you get penalised. I, I just find it very, very frustrating. And ironically, it was essentially brought in to police the women's game. But it's been a major controversy on the men's game on the European and PJ yeah. tours. Yeah, and, and I just think that they, they, they need to be more flexible with this. They need to be flexible with all the rules, really. Uh, because some, there's been some... I mean, Justin Thomas was also another one who could have been penalised. I didn't see that, but I saw he had, that he, he tweeted a, to the USGA. Yeah, he had, more or less. Well, his caddy was, was hanging around behind him, you know, as they do. It's their job. He's going to get to the point where the caddies aren't going to be able to get within 10 yards of the shot. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be scared. They are they? allowed to look and go, oh, you know, aim for that target over there. And, oh, that's your yardage. Oh, I think the, pup, the pup's coming off the right there. They aren't allowed to do that. And unless you just want to say the caddies can't talk to the players, it's just, I just get very frustrated with it all, um, as you can probably hear. Anyway, back to Ricky Fowler. Um, thank God that it wasn't Sergio Garcia who got that ruling. With the ball rolling back. Well, I know. Well, well, Sergio, I don't know what would have, would have done. He would have, so, would have thrown his caddy in after it, probably. So, yeah, again, props to Ricky for remaining Ricky was, calm. He's Ricky a great, was fantastic, wasn't he? You mentioned the word role model earlier about Sergio, and Ricky is definitely a role model. Um, I, I agree. He, he, he really interacts with the crowd. He's someone who is really looked up to by youngsters in the game, um, isn't he? And... Do you know what? I think that's one of the unsung heroes from Sunday. So, Ricky Fowler shot over par again, but he managed to get the job done. I think that's going to really give him a lot of uh, success this year, I have a feeling. But I really think that Justin Thomas, who played in his three ball with him, again, didn't play very well. But I really think that Justin Thomas helped Ricky Fowler get over the line. Obviously, they're, they're good mates. And he seemed to just be keeping him calm, chatting away to him, which he didn't have to do. But obviously, they're Ryder Cup teammates. I think they're mates off. Off, off the course as well and you know I think he managed to keep him positive because after the, the after that ruling and suddenly losing a five shot lead to, to being all square he could easily have just lost the plot completely couldn't he yeah um, um, really I was a little bit disappointed in Brandon Grace he didn't birdie the the par 5 15th and he bogeyed the 17th the so course the course was playing pretty tricky wasn't it but, yeah, but I think there's other people like, like Kucher was there I tipped him you know, he's won, tw- he's won twice already this year, and he played pretty poorly. On I mean, that front line, Kucha and Thomas, and Ricky as well, they were useless. Well, that, you look at that, you've got Fowler, Justin Thomas, Matt Kucha. I think they stood on the 16th tee, and they were 10 over par as a, as a three ball, which is incredible. Yeah. I know the course was playing harder than usual, and there was a bit of rain, and it meant that the, this, they did have slightly thicker rough around there than, than some places in America. And it was getting particularly sticky. But that's a course where Phil Mickelson seems to shoot 60 at least once a year. Um, so it, it, was, it was odd that Kuchin and Thomas didn't take, a, take advantage of, of uh, Fowler's um, bogeys early, early on. Yeah, I think Fowler got quite lucky there because uh, I really did think Grace would birdie 15 and 17. And Fowler is going to be someone else that we're going to be chatting about, uh, I'm sure, later on when we look at who's got a chance to win the majors really? this year. I think so. Oh. Well, I'm going to mention him. Yeah. Um, Sam in the office made a good 
Well, made a point this week. <laughs> not a good point, <laughs> just a point. Well, I think it's a good point, but some people won't. That Fowler should not be mentioned <clears throat> in the world's elite players anymore. And I agree with he's that. He's just one. He's just, he's just one. He's, he's now world number eight. He's just stum- I think that's an absolutely ridiculous statement. He's just stumbled over the line, shooting over par in the final round again. He was known as the Europe, sorry, the PJ Tour's most overrated player, wasn't he? And I still think that's I, true. Lovely I, guy. I, I, I could not disagree Quality more. Quality golfer, I could but not he's not elite. More. Second at the Masters last year. Yeah, from miles back. Yeah. Put him out in the final. Still finished, still finished second. Put him out in the final group with a lead. I don't think he'd have, well, he, have any hope. Well he, just, well, he just did that and he just won. Yeah, the Sunday. Phoenix Open and he shot... He was six over par after 12 holes or something. I know, but he won. That's the, I think that's the whole point. And that's, I think, this win in particular, if he hadn't won, I think that's a fair point. But he did win. And actually, I think this is going to give him great confidence going into the, into the rest of the season and into the rest of his career even. Because actually, a couple of years where he hadn't had a, had a victory, he's had all these chances and hasn't got it done. Suddenly he's got it done. And he's in the world's top ten, for goodness sake. Yeah, because he's so consistent. Exactly. But he's not in that elite group, I don't think. Uh, I completely disagree. And we can chat about that a bit okay, later Okay, cool. Because we're going to look ahead to the two tournaments uh, this week very quickly. Firstly, the Vic Open on the European Tour, which is being played in Australia. And this is a very special event, I think, uh, because it's a European Tour event being played uh, alongside the LPGA Tour event at the same time. Um, so the men and the women are playing over the same two courses for the first uh, few days. Uh, and then on the, on the Sunday, I think it's just on the Sunday, they then play alternate tee times. So it'll be the top 35 from the men's and the top 35 from the women's. And they play alternate tee times and two tournaments will conclude at pretty much the same time on Sunday, which I think is a really good idea. They've got, they share the prize pool as well. They share, they should share obviously the TV coverage. I think it's a really, really decent idea and a chance for the women's game to get a bit more coverage. However, unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be that many of the, the world's best women's players actually turning up to play. No, it's great for us in the UK with Georgia Hall and Charlie Hull playing, but from the world's top 50, only four are playing. Um, it's the smallest purse on the LPGA Tour this year, after the Ladies European Tour got dropped, who had this event the last two years. Uh, and it's also a very small purse for the men as well. It's at around about 835,000 each for the men and women, which for the LPGA and European Tours is quite insignificant. So uh, do we think it's the money? But do, do we not think that actually the the ladies pros who are not turning up are actually missing out on a trick here because this is a chance to, for the game to get a bit more coverage definitely and if they're going to if the players are moaning about the size of the, the prize pools which we have had a bit of um, bit of that already this year um, there was two tournaments was it in Abu Dhabi yep so the women's tour were playing the week before for $390,000 yeah Whilst the men were playing for seven million, exactly. So there's a huge disparity there between two tournaments played a week apart in the same part of the world. Whereas here's a chance, you know, playing on the same course alongside your fellow uh, male professionals. You know, we we we'd had the big names there, 
the chances are that there'd be more of these events potentially popping up and then a chance for more sponsors and a chance for more money to be to be then played for. Um, I think fair play to Georgia Hall and Charlie Hull because they're trekking over to Australia and I feel one of those guys might actually win. So, um, But all these LPGA Tour pros could be trekking over to Australia because next week it's the Ladies Australian Open, mm-hmm. then it's the Thailand Classic or something, and then it's the Women's World Championships in Singapore, which is a massive event. Yeah, so all in so the, this is a, the same part of the world. So Yeah, this is a great stretch that they could be beginning at the Vic Open, but obviously because of the prize money, they're not inclined to play. So it does Australia, look a great course, though I must say. Yeah, look, a lot of the Australian courses are absolutely fantastic, and there's a few names that we know of playing. Should I just say my betting tips now? Yeah, go for it. Guess who I've gone for firstly? <laughs> Scott Hen. I have gone for Scott hey. Hen first. First up, good ball striker. Absolutely incredible <laughs> ball striker. For those of you who follow my betting tips, will know that Scott Hen is a huge favourite of mine, and um, whenever I get a chance to pick him, I always do. I don't know why he's a huge favourite of mine. It just always seems to happen seems to happen but um, he's had a couple of top 10s this year already in Hong Kong and also last week in Saudi oh, I didn't know Arabia that. there you go under the under the radar and this is a good little stat for you so I don't know if you've seen on the news but um, there's a place in Queensland called Townsville which has had some horrendous flooding there they had to open a dam and they've had it's been horrendous there's been some deaths and all that stuff and that is where Scott Hen was born that's where he grew up and I think he's gonna be inspired to try and you know, inspire the guys who are going through all kinds of trouble in his hometown in Australia. Um, I really am bigging this up, aren't I? I remember he won an event on the European Tour a couple of years ago, and you've pretty much backed him ever since, and he hasn't won since then. So it's been a, a long uh, he, time. He has won, he's won a few times. He's won a few times. Not, Maybe on the Asian Tour. He, well, he was the uh, Asian Tour Order Merit winner two yeah, that, years ago. Yeah, that was when he was he's winning. A, he's decent, but... He, uh, at long, longish odds, he's always a good each way bet, and he's thirty-five to one uh, this week. Obviously, he's Australian. They're playing Australia. As I said, he's—I think he's not only going to be playing for himself this week. I do think he's also going to be playing for uh, the rest of the people from where he grew up. So, um, thirty-five to one. He's an inspiring tip, and I hope he does do well this week. Uh, and then the other pick I go for is Aaron Rye, who won the Hong Kong o- Hong Kong Open a couple of months ago. He's playing pretty solid golf, and in the field which he's on show this week, he's probably one of those guys who's in as good a form as anybody else. Um, he had a pretty decent uh, Middle East swing where he had made made three cuts, uh, a couple of twenties and a couple and a, and a finish in the thirties as well. So he's twenty two to one, which I think is pretty decent odds. I've got a couple of tips for you as well. Actually, oh hello. I've got. Um, Are you jumping in here? Are you trying to take my? Tips the job. All right, I've got to say this correctly. Uh, Jazz Janawatanond. Yeah. Uh, he won the recent Singapore Open, and then he's he's one of the he's I think second favourite. Oh, is he? And um, there was a guy who finished tied sixth at the Saudi uh, Saudi uh, Ryan Fox. Ryan the, Fox. The yeah, he, he's also second favourite. Oh, is he? Oh. I've actually got it written down in front of me. So if you but no, no, I like I like like those guys. Ryan Fox hits it an awfully long way, doesn't he? I don't think that's going to help him this week. It's quite a oh, short okay. and tight course <laughs> and with lots of uh, native Australian shrubbery indeed lining the fairway have you ever been to Australia uh, no I'd love to though. exactly I've been a few times lovely that's why I actually think having said that Rye not particularly long hitter I think the Hong Kong uh, the course that you won in Hong Kong similar doesn't it doesn't really help the bigger hitters more of a potter well there's a pick there that I assume you're not revealing on the podcast who uh, 
who looks quite good good odds there. Well, now and you've said it, we're going to have to reveal as well. As ever, Are we? If you do want to, yeah, yeah. As, as ever, if you want to see all the betting tips, do, go, do Google golf betting tips and you'll find the golf monthly tips in front of you. But the one I, that I haven't mentioned, which I can mention now because you've, you've given it away, is Marcus Fraser. Is that who you're mentioning? Yeah. Um, he is very good on home soil. And again, he's not a particularly long hitter, but he's really good at plotting his way around it. He was fourth at the Australian Open, which was only uh, about a month ago or something like that. And uh, he's also 10th uh, at the Alfred Daniel Lynx Championship uh, in October as well. So he's play, playing pretty decent. Yeah, good and experience If anyone's going to be good in Australia, he's one of the guys to really look at. And he is 66 to 1, so really decent odds. Thanks for giving that away. I've got to come up with another one now. <laughs> well. And for the, for the women's tournament, which we should just touch on, I do think Georgia Hall uh, is going to have a, a chance. She's ranked number eight in the world, for those that don't know. She's only played once this year. Uh, it is tricky to get actually get a start, that many starts, obviously, as we've mentioned on the women's tour. Uh, but she had top ten finish, and she's actually only played six times since she won the Open, which I didn't realise. She also won the Vic Open in 2016. Well, there you go. Stat. But uh, of the six events that she has played since the uh, Open victory, she's finished top ten three times. So if you can find a bookmaker who's running a book on the women's event, which I am actually struggling to find at the moment, um, Georgia Hall will be one of the favourites, no doubt. But I reckon that she's got a really good chance to win it. Yeah, Charlie Hall as well won her last start in Abu Dhabi at the Fatima Bint Mubarak Ladies Open. Indeed. So uh, a, a really good English field for the women's yeah. event. Fingers crossed that, that, that those girls... Two of our, really, they're two of our biggest stars, aren't they? As uh, well yeah. as uh, Mel Reed. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, moving on, PJ Tour, it's the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, which is always good fun. Finally, oh no, sorry, we've got the Genesis Open, haven't we? But I'm really looking forward to that Florida swing, staying up late. Pebble is Beach is not in Florida, you know that, it's on the other coast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Florida swing. Okay, good. Luckily, the uh, Phoenix Open was on a little bit earlier because of the Super Bowl. Indeed. No, that, well, no, that, I always enjoy that. I but yeah, this is, this is going to be a late one on Sunday. It, it is, but it's an important event, probably more so this year, because the, U, the US Open is being played at Pebble Beach. Yeah. So this is a good chance for people who haven't maybe played that many times at Pebble to get a bit more course knowledge. Obviously, the setup's a little bit different to, to what the US Open setup will be. And they don't just play at Pebble Beach, they play at two other courses as well, Spyglass Hill and... Monterey Peninsula Monterey Country Club. So... It's, it's, a, it's a good chance for some, some big names to get, get some USA practice. And I was surprised there wasn't more big names actually playing this week. There's, there is a couple of Dustin Johnson's playing and Jason Day's playing. I think it's quite a good field. You've got uh, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I know, but uh, it's not all top ten names, are they? So uh, I, I was surprised that there wasn't a, 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 you know, a few other big, big names. Uh, last year, Ted Potter Jr. won. Which was he was about two hundred and fifty to one, and he held off. Who did he? Who was finished the second? Dustin um, Johnson, Mickelson, Day, and Ches Revy. So he did very well to, to hold off those guys to to, to win. Uh, also, Ho Song Choi is playing now. If you don't know who Ho Song Choi is, he's the the guy with the mad swing, the fisherman swing. The they fisherman say. swing is some people call it, uh, and he's had a sponsor's invitation, and you're going to see him an awful lot of yeah. videos of him on social media with his mad swing. So um, something, to look, yeah, something to look forward to. 
Uh, also, of course, there's not only the professionals playing, there's also their pro-am partners. Oh, this just ruins it for me. <laughs> if it was just a normal pro tournament around Pebble Beach, I would love it. But it's just slow, isn't it? It can be a bit And slow. they're all American celebrities that I've never heard of. It's great to see Bill Murray out there. Well, we've seen him about ten times. He does. He did win it once. And they, sometimes there's big names. I don't actually know who's playing this year. Do you, any ideas? Uh, not really Justin interested. Justin Timberlake sometimes playing. I remember Justin Timberlake played with Justin yeah. Rose. And Justin Timberlake chipped in twice for birdie. I mean, he was actually playing almost better golf than Justin Rose was at uh, in that, that role. But yeah, I'm afraid the celebrity, the celebrity bit no, doesn't interest me. Doesn't interest, interest you? Um, maybe. It depends who it is. Yeah. Like Larry the Cable Guy, he's always playing in it. Yeah. Whoever that is. I, know, it, I think maybe if we were, if there was some more British celebrities or guys that we, we, we knew. And Ray Romano? Yeah, I know, yeah. Like, yeah, I know exactly. Why would I want to so watch who am I tipping? Who am I tipping for the, the prior? So well, I've got two guys, both at 33 to 1. Both have been playing pretty well. Uh, Shane Lowry, obviously, was already won this year. Won in Abu Dhabi and was 12th in Dubai. He's played four times at Pebble and made the cut each time. I think it just kind of suits him. Seaside golf, if the weather does get up or it gets windy, I think he'll know what to do. And I just feel that those courses should be suited to him. Um, so 33 to 1, I think the Irishman is going to do well. And also, Brandon Grace, who we've also mentioned a couple of times already, second last week at Phoenix, uh, played Pebble for the first time last year and was 20th. And again, I just think he's good around those kind of courses. I know it's not a traditional links, but he's shown before opens and how how low he can shoot. Obviously, he shot 62 at Burtdale when we were there. And um, I think he, he again at 33 to one. I think he's quite long odds for someone who looks to be playing pretty decent. So they're my two top tips. But should I give a third one as well? Which I might not, I might um, add to the betting today. Go for it. You're feeling very generous today. I am. I am. Just you know, just for the for the podcast guys. But Sangmoon Bay is playing. So Sangmoon Bay um, is two hundred to one. He's fifteenth at Pebble Beach last year, and oh, he obviously had a big gap in his uh, professional career because he had to do some military service in Korea. Um, but when he finished 15th do you, last year, do you know how many world ranking places he, he went up? 400. He went up over 1,000 really? places. So he wow. was 1,900th in the world and he went up into the world's top 900 because he hadn't been playing for so long. Yeah. He's, he's someone at 200 to 1, been playing quite quietly solid as well. Uh, I think he's one guy to, to, to look out for. And he's 200 to 1. But for the rest of the betting tips, although I've given you three already, uh, do Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly uh, Golf Monthly post. So as I mentioned earlier, we asked on social media about what your predictions were going to be for the majors for 2019, which are, of course, the Masters, PGA, US Open and the Open, but they're at fantastic golf courses this year. The Masters, of course, at Augusta. PGA Championship is going to be at Bethpage Black, uh, just outside New York, which is a really tough course. US Open's at Pebble Beach. And the Open's going to be at Royal Port Rush. So really exciting majors this year. Who do you guys think are going to do well? Elliot, what have they been saying? Right. So we've got a lot of the names you would expect. We've got a lot of Tommy Fleetwoods, lots of Ricky Fowlers, Rory McIlroy, Ollie Cole on Facebook, Bryson for the Masters, Tommy for the Open, Ricky for the US Open, 
Tiger for the PGA. Um, David Reed says Rose for the Masters. I, I think that's quite a good shout. Rose for the Masters. So let's take a couple of them first off. Who, well, Elliot, who do you think is going to do well at the Masters? Right, well, I've actually made my predictions for the year. Indeed, that's why I'm asking you. Uh, I'm going for Tiger Woods at the Masters. Tiger Woods at the Masters. I would say the favourites, as we said last week, would be Bryson DeChambeau. I'm crossing my arms. People can't see this, but I've crossed my arms after you've said Tiger Woods for the Masters. Um, Yeah, Tiger knows that place better than anyone that currently still plays golf. And... Yeah, he showed last year that he's back. He's still the best player in the world. Don't be, in inti- don't be intimidated by me staring at you, Elliot. Um, but do you not think Mark think Tiger's going to win the Tiger's Masters? Tiger's got a great chance. I don't think he's going to win it. He's, got a good, he's always got a good chance around Augusta. He plays really well. Obviously, he did win the Tour Championship. I want him to play well in a tournament this year before you know, before really being in, in with a shout. I mean, I know he's probably going to be about 15-1, to 1, probably one of the favourites anyway there. But um, I think... I think he, I think he's going to have to play really well, and I think a few other players are going to have to have bad days. Now we've already you've already slagged off Ricky Fowler saying he's not a very good golfer. No, I didn't uh, say that. It's not a leap. <laughs> not a few a, people think he's going to win a major this year. I think I think after after that, so I put two bets already on the Masters, and they are Deshambo and Fowler. Mainly because they both won this year already, and usually people who do well at Augusta have been already having a good year. DeChambeau, we mentioned last week, um, played quite well as an amateur there, was a 36-hole leader? Yeah. 35-hole leader, and then had yep. a shock on the 36th hole. So I think he'd do, he could do very well, plus his way around there. But Fowler's second at the Masters last year. I just think this year, with everything that happened last week at, at, at Phoenix and... You know, I think just I think the all the all the stars are going to align for him this year. I think he's going to have a cracking year. Everyone had a bit of a go at him last year, saying, "Oh, as probably on the back of your comments that you don't think he's an elite golfer anymore." Because everybody else won, didn't they? Every other big name won. Even Tiger won the Tour Championship. Ricky was the one that was supposed to win, but he didn't. He had probably quite a disappointing year. But this year he's changed golf ball. And he just seems to be in a good place. Unlike Sergio, who seems to be getting angrier and angrier, Ricky just seems to be nice and chilled. Life seems to be in a good place. Major for Ricky this year. I, may, maybe it won't be the Masters, maybe something else. But I think Ricky's going to win a major Wow. Um, Sean Houseworth on Instagram agrees with you. says Ricky at the Masters as well. Um, a shout-out to D Waterforth on Instagram. Yo. Who do you think he's backing for the Open? Uh, Tom Watson. Almost as surprising as that. Richard Sterning. Wow. That is out there. I mean, it? he'd probably be a couple of hundred to one. Fair play. Um, I mean, <laughs> has Sterning even qualified for the Open? Would be, would uh, be I don't open. think so. Um, Boobenhofer23 on Instagram says, Tiger, 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 Tiger. So you're going Tiger Slam. <laughs> yeah, get him up to He's even more majors. optimistic about Tiger than you. Um, Almost impossible. <laughs> but for this year, I'm going for four Americans. Come then. Who are they? Tiger at the Masters. Patrick Reed at Bethpage, where he won the Barclays in 2016. No, see, no, that, well, that Reed, same Reed for US, for, sorry, so it's PJ, not... Oh, sorry, PJ, yeah. Yeah, so, that's a good shout. Thank you. That's, that is a good shout, and that you've actually, you, I like Tiger, which you've just led with your heart, 
read, you've actually gone with your head there, saying, well, who's actually won there before? Who's done well there before? Well done. Well, Tiger's won the Masters four times, and he's got four tournaments left, something like that, before the Masters, to get his game in shape. Now he's healthy, I think that's quite a good chance. Um, I've gone for DeChambeau at Pebble at the US Open, and Xander Schauffele at Portrush in the Open. Crikey. So an American whitewash this year. Wow, I mean, that's... What about you? Who, well, uh, you, you've shocked me with several... Wow. Okay, well, DeChambeau, I think DeChambeau... Uh, if, well, I know I've just said that DeChambeau, I bet on him to win the Masters. I think Fowler for the Masters, DeChambeau for the PGA, Johnson for the US Open, incredible record at Pebble Beach, should have won the US yeah, Open the last time it was there when Medal won, but he, he blew up. And then for the Open, I think it's going to be someone from the United Kingdom or Ireland. So I think Justin Rose. Oh, uh, interesting. Although I would love to see Rory Minute there. Um, Christian Sargis, Sarginson on Twitter says, I'll be betting on Rose for all of them. Other possibilities, Masters, Fleetwood, PGA, DJ, US Open, Tiger. It's Pebble after all. Mm-hmm. And the Open... How yeah, Tiger has got... Uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Tiger broke all kinds of records in 2000 at Pebble, where he won by 15 shots or whatever it yeah. was. Um, obviously, that's quite a long time ago now. Um, and who else did he say? Uh, he's saying How Tong Lee for the Open, but would like... How Tong Lee, I think that is a cracking shout. Yeah. Because Lee's been playing really well. Second last week, should have been second the week before, except for that penalty. He finished top five at Burtdale. Think uh, he might have even finished he, third or something like that. He shot sixty three in the final yeah. round and suddenly shot up the leaderboard. I think that's a good shout. He plays well on links courses. Um, John Stewart saying boring pick, but McIlroy for the Open. He must have a great chance. Royal Portrush needs to peak at the right time. I reckon he'll be hitting form in time for the Open. So, but if we talk talk about those golf courses, Beth Page Black, where we say we're playing the PGA. That is a very hard course. It famously had that sign on, on the, the first tee, which says this course is uh, only for very good golfers. If you're not a very good golfer, don't bother playing. So I was saying I, I shouldn't play it. You read my eyes there, didn't Indeed. you? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's clear. Um, and it is very much a, a US Open style course. Um, Does that benefit Justin Rose? I think so. A ball striker? Yeah, I think so. Rose is a... I mean, Rose... It, World number one, if he's still world number one when Masters come around. World number ones haven't done particularly well at Augusta. They usually come under too much pressure, it seems to be. Um, or if you're Dustin Johnson, you fall down some stairs the night before. Um, so, Rose, I think maybe PGA or the Open for me for Rose. But I think, yeah, Rose definitely at Beth Page. I might, who did I say was going to win? DeChambeau. Did I say DeChambeau? <laughs> I might change that to Rose. I might change that to Rose, actually. Um, what about Rory at Augusta? Can he complete the career Grand Slam? He's always got a ch- Again, I think he's under the pressure under the pressure of it. Every year, he goes, is it this time for him to create, uh, to complete the Grand Slam? And I think he just puts him under so much pressure. He was very close last year. He was out in the final group. Mr. Tiddle of an eagle putt early on. And if he'd hold that, he probably would have really pushed away. But he, you know, he, it just didn't happen last year. And it just seems that in the fourth round at Augusta, when he's in position, he just can't seem to get it done. It's not just Augusta that he's had that problem. You know, we're saying Ricky Fowler's had a, a struggle at um, 
getting getting over the line in tournaments. I think Rick, I think Rory's had a, had worse issues. Than yeah, that, but it he? wasn't just his putting, was it? It was everything. He nearly oh, hit out of bounds off the first. Yep. Um, he hit it so far right. Yeah. The, on the first. Well, you were there, weren't you? Well, well I, I was there, and then I played it the next day. Oh. Okay, and I've got that in. Um, and to hit it where he hit it is uh, is ridiculous. He more or less nearly missed the ball. He must have been very, very, very nervous, as you, as you understand. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if I haven't seen the stats of people who have completed the Grand Slam. What is the final event that to complete it? And yeah. I think finishing it with the Masters is the toughest one because it's the first major. It's just the one that everybody wants to win anyway, and um, I just think it just the amount of pressure on his shoulders is just just too much. At the moment, I feel like he's coming a little bit under the radar, maybe. Possibly. Because some other players are playing so well. There's those Kupka, Johnson, Rhodes playing so well. Um, some other, other you know, Tigers, obviously, there we've already spoken about. And other people like Shambo and Fowler. So maybe he's coming a little bit under the radar and that might help him. I'd love to see Roy win there. Oh, yeah, he, he would be my number one pick. Yeah, yeah. Even above Tiger. Really? Yeah. Oh, controversial. Um, yeah, I would like to see... Like a, a strange major winner this year, like that we can't see coming. Um, it'd be great to see him, Poulter or Westwood, win a major in their last. Their last hurrah. Um, Westwood is playing. They're both playing well, actually, aren't they? They're they're both playing as well as they have done for a few years. Or even sticking to the English theme, Fleetwood. A lot of people are backing him, or Tyrrell yeah. Hatton. Yeah, the, 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 those guys have got a chance if they have a very very good week. Poulter, I always think Poulter's got a good chance at the Open. If conditions are tricky, yeah. he's one of those guys who grits it out. Um, I always think if it's an bir- absolute birdie fest, I think he's always he always struggles to, to keep up with all the, the really big hitting, low scoring players. But um, West, it, it'd be nice to see, see maybe not even if they don't win, one of them has to have, to have a run at it. You know, be up be up there on, on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, uh, in with a shout. That would be great. And you know, people over here obviously would go would, would go mad for that. Any other outside chances? I know you've gone for Shufle there already. Yeah, I I love Shufle's game. What I you, love. Here's a name for you, Tony Finau. Had a good Ryder Cup. Hasn't done anything pretty much so far this year. No, he doesn't excite me. He didn't quite have the amateur career. I don't think. Well, he doesn't have, have a good amateur career to win majors, do He came up through the um, the mini tours as well. I don't know. I think a major yeah. is a massive ask. Yeah, him. I mean, finished top. 10 at Augusta last year with a dislocated ankle up some yeah, that point. Yeah, that was the story. Of the exactly, that was my week, wasn't it? Um, so he, I think he's always in with a shout. Depends if he gets his game going over the next uh, month or so. And there is one name that nobody has said, I don't think, that you've mentioned. Is it? Jordan Spieth. Yes, can also complete the career Grand Slam. With, by winning the PGA, PGA which would be the second major this year. I don't see that happening. Don't know, it's been a bit odd, a bit inside information. When we over at PGA Merchandise Show uh, a couple of weeks ago, who was, who was it? That, who, Bob Vokey? No, no not, Scotty Cameron. Scotty Cameron, that was it. Got, got to get my, get my people wrong. Scotty Cameron, uh, we spoke to Scotty Cameron over there, and he said that George Spieth had gone to see him, and um, then they, they worked, you know, they looked at his putting and realised he was maybe struggling with his alignment uh, a little bit. So they, they they sorted him out. He went out and played nine holes and he shot 29 over those nine holes, which shows his game suddenly looking, maybe it's back in contention. And then two weeks ago, when, where was he playing two weeks ago? 
He was second in putting. At the farmers? Yeah, at the farmers, he was slightly second in putting. Oh, that's uh, good. So I think Smith just quietly is games coming back to back together, and he always seems to do well at Augusta, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got he's you know talking to people who've got good records around there. You know he's probably got one of the best records ever there, and he could have won it last year. Oh, but that bogey that, down the last. Bogey day What was that tee shot? He hit tee shot about thirty yards, which is not ideal. He hit a tree and bounced back. Uh, and sticking with the career Grand Slam. Yes. Phil Mickelson at Pebble, where he's won, I think he's won the Pro-Am four times. So is there, is there three people who have a chance to win? Yeah. Wow. A chance of them all doing it? Well, you're the GM tipster. <laughs> I think very long odds. But when you look at these courses, you think of all these names, it's so exciting. It is. It's the season brilliant. we've got ahead. Yeah, absolutely. PJ obviously has moved. It's now the second major. That's going to be happening in May. And I think that's going to be a really nice aperitif for the US Open and the Open in July. So we're looking really, really forward to, to the 2019 uh, majors. And um, if there's anyone that we've missed off that we think you should be, we should have spoken about, do let us know on our social media channels, at Golf Monthly on Twitter, Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook, and at Golf Monthly on Instagram. Sticking with the majors. Oh, we're still um, going. The Masters is going to be back on Sky this year. Yes. It was revealed. Well, not back, but they've got it. Uh, BBC for the weekend again. Yeah. And I heard that the Six Nations this weekend just gone had 8.2 million viewers on the BBC. I think it was the BBC, or is it the ITV? But it just shows <laughs> the power of terrestrial uh, uh, telly. Did, yeah, we've said, it, we've said more, more, than, more than once that um, terrestrial television, although it might, the coverage may not be up to scratch to some of the pay-per-view um, yeah. stations out there, it does mean that more eyeballs are on it and I think that's just a good thing for the game, isn't it? It's brilliant, yeah. Pretty much every sport. And everyone loves Ken on the course, don't they? Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's always chiding around the place, showing, you know, giving some good insight, which I think people some enjoy. Some rubber ducks. Rubber, I was going to say rubber ducks. <laughs> yeah. Rubber ducks. Um, but yeah, every sports fan will watch the Masters on the BBC yeah. if they're not It's always our biggest weekend on the website, isn't it? So every year. So uh, yeah, really look forward. It's not far. No, not at all. So a couple of months. So, moving on, it is that time of the week again where we have the quiz. Sam has been very uh, happy and provided us with some more quiz questions. Don't look at the quiz questions. Elliot, I saw that. I'm trying to cheat. <laughs> You're one to, che- to talk about cheating. I know, exactly. There was a few rumours that I cheated last week even though I lost, so if I'm going to cheat, I've got to do it better. So the I? score's 3-1, is it? 3-1 to you. Yeah. From four podcasts. Exactly. Yeah, work that out. Um, so, ten questions. Play along at home. Oh, question, question one. Two. Don't look That's at question pretty... two. Look at question one. Right. There we go. Question one. Dustin Johnson won the inaugural Saudi International Tournament last weekend. Can you tell me how many official European Tour wins he has had? Does he mean regular? I don't know. I think he means regular. Yeah. Okay. Should we say regular? Regular. If yeah. it's regular, I know the answer. But we've already said that. Oh, question two. Just <laughs> what is Johnson's middle name? I think they were talking about this on the on the commentary. But if they were, I can't remember. Do you know, I've got a feeling I might know that. Oh, of course you have. Probably don't. <laughs> oh dear, dear. Okay. Question three. So the question two was, what is Dustin Johnson's middle name? Question three. The fifth hole at Augusta was lengthened recently. What is the new yardage of the hole? You should know this because you I played know. it last year. I know, but this is this year. Um, 
Yeah, I'm going to have to guess. Where did you go on the fifth? I can't, I can't even remember. Right. I know it's... I, I didn't have a very good... I think I hit a good drive and then it went wrong around the green. Uh, question four. The annual driving distance report put together by the RNA and USGA came out last week. Across the seven tours, how much of an increase in yardage has there been? Did you see that story? I, I, I did because I sent it to Sam to do. Yeah, I think it's... Yeah, I, yeah I'm not going to say anything. Do you know the answer? I think so. Oh, okay, that's boring. Question five. Donald Trump tweeted about playing golf with Tiger Woods recently. What did the president say Tiger shot? Did oh. you see this tweet? I did, I, I, I did see it, but I can't remember him saying that Tiger shot anything. Amongst that score, he also said Woods will be back winning majors again soon. Yeah, and Donald Trump knows his golf, doesn't he? <clears throat> anyway, question six. Ricky Fowler won his fifth PGA Tour title at the Waste Manager at Phoenix Open. But what was his last official PGA Tour win before that? I think we said this earlier. Yeah. Okay, question seven. Including a double and a triple bogey, what did he shoot in the final round? Oh, we've discussed that as well. I think I know that. Uh, question eight. The AT&T Pebble Beach Prime takes place at three courses. Pebble Beach and Spyglass Hill at two. Name the third course. We've also said this. I even asked you what it was. Yeah, I wish I didn't say that now. Uh, question nine. Texas Tech senior Hurley Long broke the Pebble Beach course record in 2017. What did he shoot? Wow. <laughs> Do you even know the part? <laughs> no. Um, um, okay. okay. These are, I've got several guesses here. And question ten. 91-year-old Alice Dye, wife of golf architect Pete passed away this week. What piece of legendary golf design is she best remembered for? I think I know the answer. I've got to say, that's a good quiz, Sam. Well, well done, Sam. Congratulations. But let's see how well we've done. Are you ready? Yeah. So, question one. Ah, oh, see, Dustin Johnson won the inaugural Saudi International Tournament last week. Can you tell me how many official European tour wins he has had? Now, Sam says the answer is six. So he's counted WGCs yeah. and majors. What did you write? I wrote one. Yeah, so we're both wrong. Yeah, good, we're, both, good. we're both wrong. We'll just say we're both wrong there. Because don't know. You oh, just ticked sorry. it. Incredible. Question two. What is Johnson's middle name? What is did it, you write? I put Hunter. I put Andrew. It's Hunter. Oh. I, got, I wonder if you and Sam are no, getting no. together. No collusion. Question three. Oh. How well, long's the new fifth? The fifth hole, Augusta was looking for visiting. What's the new yard? I put 499. 495. It's 495. Brilliant. It's going very well. The annual drive distance report put together by the RNA and USGA came out last week. Across the seven tours, how much of an increase in yards has there been? 1.7 yards. I put 1.6 yards. What was the answer? It's 1.7 yards. Oh. <sighs> Unlucky, that's a good effort. Yeah, yeah. I might give myself half a point for that. Yeah, I'll give you half a point. Well, you, you know I'm not going to beat you. So, um, question five. Donald Trump tweeted about playing golf Tigers recently. What did the president say Tiger shot? I put 68. It was 64, I believe. 64, yeah. Brilliant. Question six. 
Uh, Ricky Fowler won his fifth PGA Tour title at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. But what's his last official PGA Tour win before that? It was the Honda Classic 2017. Yep, got that. I have got a point, thank goodness for that. Um, Is that your first point? Yes, thank you. Uh, including a double and a triple, what did uh, Fowler shoot in the final round? 74, two yep. over. Yes, two points. Uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Prime takes place at three courses. Pebble Beach, Scott, Spyglass Hill are two. Name the third course. Yeah, Monterey, Monterey Peninsula. Peninsula. Country course. Country bracket club. Shore course. So it's called Country Club, yes. But Monterey Peninsula, that's a point. Uh, oh, question nine. Texas Tech senior Hurley Long broke the Pebble Beach course record in 2017. What did he shoot? Uh, I went for 61. Of course you did. Is that right? Yes. Oh, and I went for 60. I was. Uh, I had been one out on three questions. I was kind of bluffing you there. I knew the par was 72. So I thought 60, run pebble, 12 under, that's quite good. Well, yeah, well it's only one better than 61. Yeah, maybe you left great, one out. Great maths there. Great maths. Uh, question 10. 91-year-old Alice Dye, wife of golf architect Pete, passed away this week. What piece of legendary golf design is she best remembered for? TPC Sawgrass. 17th. Yeah, she had the idea of the 17th, the TPC Sawgrass being an island green. And I got that right, and you got that right. Well, you've just put TPC Sawgrass. That is a legendary golf design, TPC Sawgrass. Yes, the 17th in particular. And you've just put TPC Sawgrass. Well, you already said that I got it right. <sighs> uh, I had 9 out of 10. Well, yeah, so you can have that one, because I don't... I, I, you, you got... Exactly double what I got. I got four and a half. Ooh. But I was very unlucky on at least three there. But never mind. Yeah. Anyway, um, four one to you. Dropping. Dropping. Yeah. Do you know what? I think that was harder than we thought. So. Uh, anyway, thanks, Elliot, for beating me again at the quiz. Yeah, that was a good quiz. I wonder if any listeners got ten out of ten there. Yeah, if you did, let us know. Thanks as well for listening. Next week we'll be back to see who won the Pebble Beach Prime and who did very well at the Vic Open as well as previewing the World Super 6 Perth and the Genesis Open where a certain Tiger Woods is playing. As ever, do subscribe to the podcast if you're a regular listener. Now, now, now on Spotify. We are we? indeed. I was just about to say that but thanks for, for busting in. We are now on Spotify as well so if you uh, do subscribe to Spotify then uh, you can check us out and follow us on there and you can also follow us on all our social media at Golf Monthly on Twitter at Golf Monthly on Instagram Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook our Golf Monthly YouTube channel and of course golf-monthly.co.uk our fantastic website Elliot again thank you for this week yeah thanks Tom no worries and I'll see you again next week will I? will you be here next week? yeah I'll see you next week indeed indeed and uh We'll speak to you all next week as well. Thanks for listening. Thank you.